On this week's episode, Ryan Eckel and I graciously thank the air traffic controllers while Lee Griffin doesn't. Any of the <laughs> controllers from Page Fielder listening or Fort Myers Approach, thank you so much for dealing with me. I'm sure you had to be the most patient person because I was terrible. Oh, yeah, me too. Nature, Hollywood, but. I apologize to you guys as well. You guys gave me that tour of your control <laughs> tower that one day, which was very nice. And then I ground looped all over your runways. <laughs> <laughs> went through the grass, almost took out your lights, didn't bother taxing in on ground half the time. You had to tell me, you know, we do. I do appreciate that, guys. <laughs> I've never been in trouble for ATC, ever. No. No? Never made a mistake. Have you ever ground looped a Super Cub at a control field? <laughs> no, can't say that I have. <laughs> Just What's... want the panoramic view of the airport. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Welcome to today's episode. We are covering part two of the FAR 61.107. We have uh, Mr. Echo back on, and we have Lee, long time no see from the program, Mr. Griffin. How's your back feeling? Much better. We're getting there, making progress. <laughs> Did you receive any well wishes from uh, the, the fans uh, via email? I no. I'll give you a shout out. Wow. No, you nothing guys. yet. They don't love me, really, apparently. They don't love me. really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the love? <laughs> that, that episode's been out for a, a week now, over huh? a week as of this recording. Man, oh man. No I love. You get at least one. No love. No love, <laughs> no love for Lee. During my edit of part one, which to give some context, I was planning on cramming this entire series into one hour and a half episode which was naive of me, as Mr. Griffin pointed out, that this is almost covering everything that has to do with learning how to fly at a basic level. So we ended up, we're now doing it a multi-part series. So I made a list while I was editing of everything I was kind of ramming through, trying to go quickly and move on. And Lee on his microphone track was going, <sighs> oh, you were getting frustrated whenever... You were about to talk or like I'd cut a conversation short because you wanted to talk about more. Well, I, so, I, I like to talk, I guess. Yeah, I edited, I edited out those noises, but I did take note. I have a list here of stuff. With stuff. So this is similar stuff we, we brushed over too much. So we're going to just kind of double down. Scott's gone this episode. So this will be a perfect opportunity to be like kind of a serious episode. Make sure we really button up all the stuff we have already gone over in the first three parts before we move on in part three to the rest of it. But yeah, so this is, if you're joining us, one, go listen to part one if you haven't already. Uh, And just a reminder, this is uh, the private pilot flight proficiency stuff for uh, single engine aircraft. Basically stuff you got to know for, to be a private pilot, if you already have a private, you should, it's a good refresher. If you're on your journey, this is stuff you need kind of, you know, check ride. No for the check ride type stuff. And if you're coming up for a flight review. So oh, and a flight review too, yeah. And you're a private pilot. This is all stuff you can, it's pertinent to everyone at the private pilot level. And private pilot's the base foundation of everything else. So if you're a pilot, this is pretty much all applicable. So the first one on the, the list is airworthiness requirements. What are you shooting for with the airworthiness requirements as far as... Airworthiness requirements, uh, like for the aircraft itself, um, I use the acronym AERO. A-R-O-W. Sometimes you can throw an extra R in there to A-R-R-O-W. So A would be the airworthiness certificate it, itself for the airplane. It has to be uh, on display, invisible uh, inside the aircraft. Your R, uh, the first one, is going to be your registration for the aircraft. 
Um, it's got to be current, up to date. The next R that people use uh, is the radio operator license. <laughs> if you are uh, going to be operating outside the U.S., I know uh, Lee and I got ours probably early on with our Canada stuff that we had to fly early on in our careers. I have never been asked to, I, I don't even, honestly, I don't know where mine is right now, <laughs> but it's got to yeah. be somewhere in my documents. Yeah. I've never been asked for it or anything. O is going to be your operating, uh, like operating handbook limitations of the airplane. Uh, those got to be on board. And then the W is your weight and balance for that specific airplane. It can't just be, you know, your, uh, it can't just be a plain old operating manual that you buy online and like a weight and balance sheet that you just made together. It's got to be the actual weight and balance calculated for that specific aircraft and, you know, whether or not stuff is added to it or removed, you know, that all has to be included in there. So, yeah, I mean, just run through that aero acronym and that should cover your airworthiness, uh, stuff that you need for the airplane to, to be airworthy. Yeah. That's a, a thing to note too, is the, the generic, like if you buy like a pilot's operating handbook off of sporties, it's going to have weight and balance information in there that right. you got to have more than that because each like serial numbered airplane needs to have that updated fine tuning for the different modifications, like little differences in what you have panel wise, what's mounted yeah. in the panel. You need to redo the the weight and balance technically and, and have that exact number on there. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got to think about it by like a, by serial number, you know, it's specific, like Ryan said, to that airplane, you can buy a generic one, you can fill in the dots, but that doesn't make it become the approved flight manual for that airplane. You know, you can borrow your flight school or your rental fleet. You can borrow their approved flight manual out of the airplane and transpose the numbers over so you have accurate stuff if you're doing pre-flight planning at home. But that does not make it the approved flight manual because what a lot of people don't realize over the years as there are um, ADs and different supplements to uh, a type certificate that happen or to the airplane that get modified via the manufacturer's recommendations those get sent out to the to the owner in a packet and those need right. to be put in so you're you can completely if you get a 150 that's more of a pilot's operating handbook a little more cut and dried i suppose than today's modern approved flight manuals yeah but if you had one one of those from 1969 and you have two, two two different manuals. One is no longer even representative potentially of the airplane anymore after, you know, 50 years has gone by of modifications and manufacturer's recommendations. So, you know, th there could be a ton of things, a litany of things that change the, the limitations on the airplane. You know, hey, flap speed we originally said was 125 miles an hour. Well, we started figuring out the flap hinge were cracking. So we got to limit it to 105 so you're right. fundamentally changing the airplane over the course of time, and those are not going to be reflected in something you buy from Sporties. Right. Because, you know, maybe it's isolated to serial number range and things like that. So, yeah, that's just like Ryan said. That's airplane serial number specific stuff. And then one thing that, that comes up that I remember coming up when my students would take a check ride is how long is the airworthiness certificate good for? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... And the yeah. answer is... As long as it's maintained yep. in accordance with the manufacturer. So it's good indefinitely as long as it's receiving the annual inspection and getting the ADs complied with like the manufacturer says. So I think those things go hand in hand. So I always try to tell people, you know, like you get your physical to say you're in airworthiness condition. 
Right. That's that's how long your pilot certificate is good for. It's good for forever. Yeah, the pilot certificate never expires. So, Just yeah. like the airworthiness certificate. So as long as the doctor says you're healthy enough to go fly, your pilot certificate's valid. As long as the mechanic or the IA says the airplane's healthy enough to fly, the airworthiness certificate's valid as well. That's right. what I always like to think about it. The parallels between the pilot and the and the machine. Yeah, and always to remember that has to be displayed. Uh, it can't be just thrown in the, uh, you know, the glove box or anything or the center console <laughs> of the aircraft. It, and typically, you'll see them on most airplanes. Just a little clear display on like a you know bulkhead. Uh, and that needs to be well. visible yeah. when boarding, I believe. Correct. To I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I'd have to dive in to know for sure, but uh, yeah. I think a lot of times people take their registration and just stuff it in the same sleeve or whatever. But I think <laughs> yeah. to be done right, I think they both are supposed to be on display. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'd have to look into that. So if you have it on display, you're you would be definitely good. But if it's tucked right. in behind the airworthiness or something, that might be might be a gray th- area. Airworthiness yeah, for sure. I, I think you're all display. right having that one stowed away. But the airworthiness sense. I know for sure has to be on display. But makes sense to me. That's the important one. I'd I'd want to see if I were the you know. The general public getting on an airplane, right? You know? I'm going to demand to see it next time I walk on a jet. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to because it's board. It's right there when the boarding at the beginning. So like you're in line. Like I usually get seats as far up front as I can. Yeah, like I fly Spirit. I'll usually fly like C one. <laughs> so like it's like the first row with the big bigger seats. Start on like, that extra so four bucks. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> It's like six fifty now, Ryan. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, Inflation. Up, right? Inflation. That's yeah. right. I guess all the airlines are hurting. <laughs> right. I'm going to stop the whole line. I'm going to stop the full line to inspect that airworthiness certificate of the Spirit flight when I get on it. Like, check to make sure the pilots on. have their um, current medicals hold with them we and their need to check certificates. Some stuff before I board this flight. Where's Ladies your radio operator's permit, sir? This is going to be <laughs> yes. a minute. Oh, I'd be toast. <laughs> We wouldn't be leaving the country. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, like, I don't know if there's, like, in the pastor's bill of rights or if there's anything, like, you're mm. probably totally legal to ask. And I, I bet know, if you yeah. had a fight, I bet they would have to produce it. You could probably take them to court if they, like, tried to do something. Like, you're holding right. up the line. No, I want to see the air within a certificate. Please. <laughs> please. Give it a try, folks. Yeah, That's yes. a great idea. Let us know. <laughs> Yep. So that's airworthiness. Airworthiness, uh, what are we looking at? Airworthiness requirements? Yep. Yep. And then uh, the next one we, we glossed over, which is, I mean, it could literally be a, a series in itself, but we'll give it some more justice this time around, is weather information. <laughs> mm. Mm. We danced a little bit on the Cochrane episode last week, but um, we certainly didn't go into it at all. Um, There's a lot. What are you guys yeah, looking at it. for... Uh, for like weather information, like Ryan, what do you teach now? Because you're not calling up the the one eight hundred WX brief oh. like we did. Oh, back I still in the teach day. that. Don't you? Oh, worry. Really? <laughs> okay. I'm old school. I'm as old school as it gets, man. All right, I'm like, so I had to do this. That. You guys have to do this. I don't make them do it every <laughs> flight. I mean, when I was in flight training, I had to do it for every single flight. You know, whether it was local, it didn't matter. It wouldn't. You know what? Back then too, this was in two thousand and six. Uh, I mean, obviously we had computers, but like we didn't have ForeFlight yet. We didn't have smartphones yet. So it was really nice help. And that's why I still teach people to use it. Because I'm like, honestly, at the end of the day, it makes everything a lot easier. You don't have to go out there and search and scroll for everything. You call, ask for your standard VFR weather briefing. They're going to hook you up with NOTAMs. They're going to hook you up with TFRs, the weather, uh, 
where you're going to be departing, where you're landing, the in route, all that stuff. It's put all right there for you. And actually, our the DP that I send people to, he asks, you know, usually on the check ride, like, what's what's the importance of that? And it, it's just it makes everything a lot easier for you. Another thing I really like about uh, VFR uh, standard weather briefings, they can't legally say to you, oh, you should you can fly or don't you shouldn't fly in this, but they can always say VFR flight not recommended. To me, that says don't go like don't even try. Yeah. Just, you know, so it kind of breaks it down and makes the decision a little bit easier for you. Ultimately, it's your call uh, and your instructor's call when you're learning. But I kind of like having that backup of somebody saying, eh, it's, it's a little iffy. Probably shouldn't do it. You know, it's not recommended. But I can't say you can, can go or don't go. I've had them literally tell me when I was younger. Yeah. And I was like calling up for a weather briefing. <laughs> We're like, uh, we can't tell you what to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, they know the legality of it. Is not recommended right now. <laughs> like they get like a tone with me. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we're all guilty of scud running and not taking their advice, too. But it is good to have that backup. Uh, so, yeah, I do teach, you know, 1-800-WX-BRIEF, uh, 1-800-WX-BRIEF.com. You can do it all online. Uh, Foreflight is a great friend. And uh, aviationweather.gov. There's all kinds of cool yeah, uh, that's my maps favorite. to look at. I, I, I love that. Duots is one, too, right? Yeah. It is. I I have not used Duots probably in a decade, though. So Me, I too. Even, okay. Couldn't yeah. even tell you. But there's I'm too sure many other resources. It's, I mean, Duats would kind of simulate your one-stop shopping concept, mm-hmm. just like a WSI computer or whatever. All of your yeah. stuff is there, and maybe it's easy to navigate. But it doesn't take me that long to sift through a couple different web pages to get the, you know, one website it has a really good um, layout for this type of information. This one has a better radar. You know, yeah. whatever. I, I don't have any problems sifting through those things. Then yeah. when it gets like day of, I pretty much am just looking at TAFs, unless I know there's storms in the area. And then right. but it, it, beating myself over the head with watching the radar all day before a flight doesn't do me any good. I need to like get within an hour and see right. how things are going. But yeah, I, I, I've never used Duots, but I think the main thing there, I think, was the uh, the one-stop shopping like the briefer. And yeah. I think the briefer is I, I would call that probably a subset of or the concept of the briefer is a, almost like CRM. You have another set of eyes on what you mm-hmm. are about to go do. They can't legally tell you not to, but they can st- kind of strongly encourage you in a certain direction. Yeah, I think that's kind of like a CRM concept. And I mean, it's a good thing. I, I mean, I remember a number of times I'm saying that or you know, whatever, but you know, and also the, the turn, and this is something I always hated. I had some scaredy cat students and they would see marginal VFR. Marginal Mm -hmm. VFR is like plenty good to go do flying in the pattern, but it sounds like, like you're marginally legal. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. you're way legal. It's way safe. It's just, that's yeah. It depends on your situation. Exactly. Yeah. If you're going to go do a cross country, yeah, it might not make sense, but if you're going to go do laps in the pattern, marginal VFR is totally good to go. But yeah, I mean, they would see, they would hear the term marginal or see the term marginal VFR and it turned them off. I'm like, okay. And you can still have a 2,800 foot ceiling, you know? Totally. It's like, well, it, well, it's marginal. It's like, yeah, I can fly the, you know, a thousand foot 
AGL pattern just fine when there's 2,800 feet. So right, right, but yeah. yeah and I might just you know second guess going on across country for sure. Well, and here's the thing: what if you're going? What about this? What if you're going? What if it's marginal VFR from your departure airport to your destination, and your dest your your west? You're heading west, mm-hmm. okay, in the winter. I don't want to fly that high. If I'm in a light piston airplane, I want to fly that high anyway. The headwind's going to kill me. So <laughs> exactly. marginal VFR is clearing a million for your purposes if you're going to go 1,000 or 1,500 feet AGL. Right. You know, that, that's my, super in the winter. To, yeah, you got to pay attention to your uh, what's on your flight path, though. What, oh, yeah. yeah, that's called aviating. You know, yeah, definitely yeah, well, look out the window. Because <laughs> I, I was in this exact situation. I don't know if it, the... Uh, WX brief people told me it was marginal VFR or not, but I was running, uh, I, I probably thousand feet AGL west, and I was uh, there. So it's kind of along the lake there on the way to Toledo. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of towers that are really oh, tall. Yeah, over by Mommy Bay, uh, and yeah, right here in Northwest Ohio. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those. So they're I'm massive. I'm they're all along. over a thousand feet tall, I think. Oh yeah, I'm. Like I'm at a thousand feet because cruising around. Because that's where <laughs> back in the day I I go higher now, but back in the day I was on kind of I was like a Scots territory. I didn't like why why does a cross country like I fly a thousand feet above the ground everywhere? Why would I change that on a cross country? That was kind of my attitude back when I was a teenager, which was really dumb. But that's what you know it is what it is. Sure, it's a little I'm flying, easier to see things. <laughs> yeah, I'm flying out west, and all of a sudden I'm like. What was that? <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> like this is bad. All I can picture is your little 150 just slaloming yeah, through the. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going through it, and it, all right, I'll just gain altitude. But if you gain altitude, your nose is up in the air, and you can't see if there's a tower in front of you. So I'm like, I put the nose back. That's not going to work. I'm like, I just got to like avoid these, and you, I'm like, I know there's guy wires coming it's, off of these things that, at angles yeah, too. Pretty much any tower really that's see. over 500 feet is going to have guide wires. Yeah, in so it. I'm going this. I ended up just full power and dumping. I may have put all full flaps in just so I could cl- get a, cl- a scent rate while keeping my nose down so I could see what's going on. And it kind of worked, and I just kind of slowly kind of floating up because the flaps uh, slow your forward rate, which I wanted to not go as fast right so the f- flaps made me not go as fast which was good uh i needed full power because i wanted to get up i w- like more altitude the better so i had full power and then the flaps also kept my nose down too while i was i could see you know what i mean yeah so that's how i eventually was climbing up and i remember like going by one and i'm like that thing the i got to the top of the towers and i'm like that thing's like right there oh yeah and so, so yeah. on a sectional, everybody, there's a maximum elevation figure. You want to <laughs> yes. be above that. Yeah, you know, you know that little blue number in each little square on the sectional. If you fly above that, you're not going to hit any anything other than maybe another aircraft. But you shouldn't hit any obstacles yes. or terrain. There was, there's so. moments in your flying career where you you remember it from training, mm-hmm. and then you get you land after a flight like that, and you're like... That's why there's those sections on the sectional yeah. chart. Sometimes, I get it now. Sometimes the principle of intensity will rear its ugly head and you will remember it forever because of that. <laughs> I've ever since then I've always checked that when I'm flying places of the uh what do they call it? Maximum elevation test. figure. Okay. Yeah. Which is the big bold number each little part each little section of a sectional chart each has. Each quadrangle. Yeah. 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 
So yeah, kids, boys and girls. Pay attention to those numbers. <laughs> pay yes. attention to those numbers. Don't yep. fly around everywhere at uh, cruising <laughs> around the pattern altitude feet. like I used to do. <laughs> yeah, we're, I mean, we're all guilty of that. But I mean, oh, and yeah. also I, there's a the lot area we more grew up towers. To, it's off. Yeah. There's a lot more towers now. And, you know, we are very fortunate. We are in, for our, all of our flight training was in one of the, mo- the flattest parts of the country, you know, right. outside of Florida. <laughs> our highest, right. you know, elevation here in Northwest Ohio is, you know, maybe a thousand feet, if that. But yeah. Typically, you know, it ranges from around five to 800. I think feet. Akron Canton is 1,200, I want to say. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Some of the, they're a little bit to the east, but yeah, out here in Northwest Ohio, it's not. Not too bad. You know, Florida, yeah. I don't think there's anything above 300 feet. <laughs> but yeah, there's right. towers definitely above 300 feet. So be on the lookout. Yeah. I would trade the yeah. towers for the air traffic that is in Florida, though, all day long. That's, oh, oh, yeah, for sure. It's a hornet's nest down there. Every flight. Yeah, the towers here don't move. Down there, <laughs> you know, the obstacles change. That's the you know, most I've ever screamed you know. on a radio uh, was when I was towing Banner along South Beach. We, we cover weather information. We're trying <laughs> we to be did. thorough on this. All right. I don't want to move. That's about as thorough as you can get. I mean, use use everything. Use the internet. Use 1-800-WX Brief. Like I said, I still teach it. I think it's kind of a cool tool to have in the pocket there. Uh, but, you know, don't over. And I think that kind of helps from overwhelming yourself because there are so many uh, things out there that you can pick and choose from where that kind it of just makes it easy somebody's reading it off to you you can write it down but they take so long to get through the this is true if you yeah, started a stopwatch and you did like the the, <laughs> the new age version of our pre-flight planning you'd knock mm-hmm. it out in five minutes and they're still typing in right. your destination and waypoints along the way that's what always frustrated me is like okay i Fair get point. it dude yeah. i get it but they are yeah. giving you they're giving you information that you might not find on your own you do a quick skim mm-hmm. and you look for closed runways and stuff they might find like they might come up with something that you would not have seen, right. and that and there's would be where the test is. Yeah, and there's different briefings too. You can get the abbreviated, which is you know a little more condensed. There's the standard, and then the the Outlook. So there's like yeah. there's three different kinds. So like Outlook, you know, is going to be anything like 24 hours prior to the flight. The standard is what you like is going to give you everything, and the abbreviated. But I feel like it leaves a, a good bit out. So. Oh yeah, I, and I got abbreviated a lot. I'd call them up. <laughs> it's like I only I got go, abbreviated ever. I go no, flying abbreviated, not inebriated. Yes, I go well. <laughs> no, I never called them inebriated. <laughs> I need an inebriated briefing. Yeah, I need an inebriated briefing. We should do that. We should call them up, record it. Oh it's, pub- it's a public service. You can record that, right? Absolutely, I would think so. I mean. I, I have to look up Florida's uh, if it's one way cons- <laughs> one one party consent. I know Texas is one. If party any attorneys consent. are listening to this episode, please reach out. And let us know. <laughs> Rob's already not, got one. I'm not going to say where, but yes, we have we have attorneys that do listen to the show in uh, great high places in the aviation industry. Shout I'm out sure to, you know you know. I'm who sure you, you guys are. will need them sooner. Or later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I would get an abbreviated briefing. A lot where I was just, is there TFRs? They'd be yeah. like, uh, what area are you flying? Lake Erie Islands area. Anywhere from, you know, radius from 8-8 Delta, 8-9 Delta. Because that's, I just flew back and forth between 8-8 Delta and 8-9 Delta. Yeah. And they're like, uh, no. I'm like, okay, thank you. I'm going. <laughs> and they're like, uh, you sure you don't want anything more? I'm like, nope, that's it. Thank you. 
Bare bones. That was my biggest. That was my biggest fear is busting a TFR back in the day. A lot of times. That's a legitimate fear. I mean, I can look up the weather. You know, kind of it's clear in a million. There's not a cloud in the sky. You know, everything else says it's good. I just want to make sure there's no TFRs. I just went to like the the um, TFR website and I just saved the bookmark to my homepage on my phone. That's a good idea. It's like when I go when I go fly GA, which I haven't done in like two years. I just look at that. I look at the, I look at, um, I don't even look at notams really because chances are the local stuff that I would go do, I'll know otherwise. And, but I mean, that's not really the best, that's not the best tactic because right. it can betray you. And I don't want to sound too like, like loosey goosey about it, but chances are you'll know if uh, an airport where the airplane is based is closed. Chances yeah. are you'll know that. But if you're going somewhere, you're going to want to find out and make sure that yeah, airport's usable route. for you. But yeah, TFRs, uh, I would say that's the next thing. Because if you get to the airport, and unless you're an idiot and you're like that close on fuel and you don't have a plan, that would be dumb. But chances yeah. are you get there and the runway's closed. I'm like, oh, okay, now I can't have a hamburger or whatever. You turn around and right. go back. It's inconvenient, <laughs> but it's not any violation or anything like that. TFR is pretty, very serious stuff. Because yeah. it's not the FAA. That's, you know, that's... um. Was that Department of Homeland Security stuff? Yeah, that's right. not the slap on the wrist. FAA, oh, you fessed up. You know, you're good. The, the, yeah, you can't just uh, fill out a NASA form and be like, eh, call it no, dead. like no, no, no. You're yeah, gonna get a little yeah. bit investigated, almost. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, it, yeah. I, that, the notums reminds me that oh, I forget which episode it was. Scott had brought, and maybe I edited it out. I don't remember. Uh, he, he said something along the lines of, why would I check notums when I'm flying around here? If anyone was going to issue a notum, it would be me that would issue it. And I've never <laughs> issued a notum ever. So, like, so, so there's no notums. <laughs> so it's like, there's no notums. We don't do notums. At- the only thing is that where you would, that's where you would uncover a TFR, though. So Yeah. yeah. And it's not likely that one would prohibit him from flying. But right. I would say very, very Is unlikely, a TFR technically a notum, though? Yeah, FDC notum. FD, yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you could get it through that. Uh, another cool feature on ForeFlight or SkyVector, you know, turning on those different layers, uh, you know, there's a TFR layer, so it'll show the radius, so you can just tap right on it, and it'll tell you when it's active, what it's for, all that stuff, which makes it a lot easier for you when you're doing all your weather planning. Okay. Cross-country which is part D on the ACS as far as the, the pre-flight preparation. Echo, what are you thinking, like bullet points, if you're sending somebody for a private check ride, doing a biannual flight review for a private pilot? Like what's yeah. the level of sending somebody or you're checking for a biannual flight review? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were kind of had, we had a discussion earlier. As far, you're talking for cross-country planning and stuff, right? Yeah, a cross country flight and planning. Um, as I said earlier, <clears throat> I'm I'm kind of old school, so I teach the old uh, nav logs. You can print them off. Just go to like you know Google Images nav log. Uh, there's all kinds of different ones out there, uh, but you find one that's kind of tailored to your needs. And fill in your checkpoints, uh, your waypoints. And we've talked about this on other episodes before. You know, with your pilotage and your uh, dead reckoning. So, you know, use those two tools as you plan. Uh, have your instructor look over your planning, make sure everything's accurate, you know, using whether you're using a an electronic e- e- 
E6P, or if you're using the old, uh, you know, slide rule style, we talked about that. I don't even know how to use an electronic one. I only know how to use the slide rule style one. Um, I only know the electronic one. We have to, we have to teach each other sometime. Yeah, yeah. We just we need to sit down. Uh, if you get up to Ohio, or if I get down to Florida here before too long, and uh, <laughs> just trade our secrets for the uh, the yeah. E6B. But no, so yeah, get everything set up. Have your instructor look it over, um, and you know they should train you how to use either one of those. There's plenty of good videos on YouTube on how to, uh, you know, operate both. Um, making sure you're picking the right waypoints. But yeah, uh, it's all about preparation for the check ride. Luckily for me, my examiner always calls and tells me where he wants my students to plan to, and he has them plan for a area um, in Pennsylvania. Latrobe, which is the Arnold Palmer Airport, and the flight from where the student is taking their check ride, you know, it goes through several different airspaces. So he wants to ask them questions about their flight planning of what they're going to do for, you know, whether they need a class Bravo clearance or are they allowed to fly through a class Charlie, uh, whether or not you hear your tail number or do you need a clearance? Uh, what's a Tursa? You know, we're passing one of those along the way. So it's, it's kind of nice the way he does it because he just who will pick all his sectional questions kind of based off of your cross country planning. I don't know if every examiner is doing it that way, but it's, it's good to know and know that route of flight and know the different airspaces you're going through. Um, you know, they can bring up the weather minimums for all those, um, airspaces, but just, it's all about preparation when it comes to your cross country planning. And if you have it, you could lay it out in front of them and it's already all done, which is cool too. He doesn't make them plan it that day. Like he's just like, just plan it for whatever the weather's doing now. Cause typically you don't even fly, uh, you know, some might make you fly the first leg of the cross country depending, but I know our examiner, he, he doesn't, he just wants to see that you can plan it and know how to, you know, make the right and safe decisions when it comes to cross country planning. My check ride for private, plan out the cross country, went over the whole cross country plan, mm-hmm. quiz, like you just said. And then when we took off, we were taking off as if we're going to go on that cross country. And then once I took off properly, was set up in route on that cross country, less than five minutes, you're like, all right, based on everything I've seen, you'd make it there. Now yeah. let's go over to the, this practice area and, and do the rest of the exam. Right. Because they know you already have all that cross country time that you needed to even get to that check ride point anyway. So yeah, they, they should know you made it safe at that point, <laughs> but they want to see, like I said, that, that preparation is key. Well, you're a manual E6B man as well, right? Yeah. You know, both of them though. I don't, I mean, I, I think the electronic one is intuitive enough that, I, I mean, I, you probably have to get out like the little cheat sheet instruction manual thing like to, to come up. But I, if I remember it was mm-hmm. pretty intuitive, I had some students bring them in, but I like teaching the manual, uh, especially the um, the wind correction side, like for yeah. the uh, pilotage stuff for in dead reckoning, um, because it shows you a visual representation of what the wind is doing to you, which I, I find helpful. I mean, would I rather just something spit out a number? I mean, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, but it does definitely give you a lot. It take it, it allows you um, just like going down this list on the sixty one oh seven or whatever it kind of gives you talking points and it forces you to cover ground that, that is always healthy. So, you know, getting this thing out, it takes you for a trip to the, you know, uh, to, to the winds aloft and not that the, the manual E6 or the electronic E6B wouldn't do that, but it definitely is a better catalyst, I think for more conversation on it. 
Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I think when I'm making decisions about a uh, student's preparedness for a specific cross country or in general signing them off for the check ride is aeronautical decision making. And I think the more you can talk through and you can see, like, let's say you're setting up a specific example and you're talking about wind correction and you're reading through kind of the directions. There's a little, little cheat section at the top that tells you, you know, left and right and what these different things mean. Like, look at them, how they manipulate it. Are they going the right way initially and then the, then, or the wrong way first initially and then the right way? Like, how are they thinking about it? And I think, I think that watching that process play out as somebody is real time learning and using it, Mm -hmm. I think, I think gives you a better in-depth understanding of where they are knowledge content wise in big picture compared to just plugging in a couple numbers in what's basically a calculator um, and it's spitting out a number. You don't get to see them use much. You're watching them type in numbers in a calculator. So yeah. that's where I think the E6B is in my opinion. I'd say, it, yeah, it almost gives you another level of situational awareness. Totally. Um, like, like you said, especially with the winds, when you get to like actually see the little dot you drew out and spin it and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm the little, you know, I'm the airplane here. This is where the wind's hitting me. This, you know, that, that to yeah. me always was like, oh, okay. Th- that makes sense why I have to hold this heading, you know, to fly this course. Right. So. Right. Yep. hundred percent. And then four flights, just the worst of it. because <laughs> It's just holding your hand and you have no idea what's going yes. on. The best and, and just, the worst of it. It you just know. pops out. <laughs> it's it's good once you know all that back stuff. But yes. learn all that back stuff so that you know exactly what four flights doing. Mm-hmm. It makes well, it less likely you you know if there's some sort of error information you put in incorrectly on accident. If you right. know how it's doing everything, you're way more likely to catch. Oh crap! I I entered something wrong because that doesn't look right. Where if right. you're just letting it hold your hand and punching information and it spits something out and you have no idea you know, how anything worked in the background, you just go, okay, that's the number we had, you know, not realizing it doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. because you put in bad information. Advice I'll give with using electronics on cross countries before we wrap this section up. Make sure you don't punch in the VOR that has the similar identifier to the airport you're trying to go to. (laughs) That happened to me once. That in the 396 and I'm like flying around it's showing me I'm here. What? <laughs> this is a field. And then I'm looking down. I'm like, what's that thing? What's that taco stand looking thing? I'm like, oh, it's a VOR. <laughs> Why is there a, a white witch's hat out in this field? Yeah. <laughs> a white sombrero. Yeah. <laughs> what? Do you remember what airport it was? I don't remember, no. Oh, I yeah, because there are some, is you fin- know. Is Finley? Do they have a... Yeah, uh, they FBC have the flag city. Now. That's FBC, and you know the identifiers FDY, I believe. But I, I think it was no. There's not like Ohio, I know. You know, Mansfield's is MFD and KMFD. So maybe it was as simple as Mansfield. Could have been, and I feel like there's normally, those at the field, but it's no, pretty, it's all pretty darn it's close. Like seven is it a little miles. bit off? Okay, yeah, I want to say seven miles away. It probably was Mansfield then, because normally pull, I'd yeah. really pay attention. But I think it was one of those things. I just want to get a general direction. I'll punch in, you know. Oh Man's yeah, I mean MFD. it's it's probably like you said about seven miles north. Uh, That's probably what of the I field. did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you probably didn't see it because it's kind of like, hilly there too. It's it's kind of hard right. to identify the airport, especially if you don't if you're unfamiliar. 
Right. Because I mean, I'm not really doing, I'm not paying that much attention to go to Mansfield. You know what right. I mean? Like making sure as I was like threw it in there and it was wrong. And I flew around a cornfield for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, so but be, you would have been uh, talking, hold on, no, no, no. You would have been so close, you would have been talking to a controller, though. So they yeah. wouldn't, I, I, I probably believe, wasn't I be- Mansfield. I might have been. I may have been talking to controllers and be like, I'm here. And they're like, no, you're not. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I'm downwind. Yeah, with the highway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Coming in, boys. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> Keep going. What are you? What are you squawking again? Are you we, sure? Yeah, we've all had those moments. Don't worry. That's that's a part of learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, the next one is airspace. Unless I don't want to, I don't want to hear any size on your track, Lee. We good? All right. <laughs> all good. All good. Uh, you had touched on this for cross country. Sometimes they'll do just to cover different airspaces in it. What do you oh, want? Yeah. What do you want the students to know airspace wise? Before you're sending them on a check ride. When I'm sending them on a check ride, especially like their cross country planning, I want them to know every airspace they're going through and what the limitations for those airspaces are. You know, whether they're allowed in it, uh, what they need to do to get into it, what the weather, you know, requirements are for it, uh, the weather minimums, all that kind of stuff. So know your airspaces. That's one of those things too. I remember being kind of like, this is way too confusing, but there's plenty of good diagrams out there that like help out a little bit. Uh, and just study, study, study on those. And we have uh, a whole series with breaking down the different letters of airspace. I think you joined you? us on one, right? Th- yeah, maybe. I think so. Yeah, maybe. I forget I which know. one. I know yeah. we've discussed airspace for sure. On the, you're uh, doing the same thing when you're quizzing somebody on like a biannual or not a biannual, a flight review. Flight review, <laughs> <Not> please. Yes. <laughs> flight review. <laughs> yes. Don't anyone call it a biannual flight review? It's wrong. Yeah, you can do it at any time. It does. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I still pull airspace questions all the time on flight reviews because that's one of those things. If you don't use it, you lose it. Um, uh, certain mentalities for sure. You know, a lot of people get confused with the, the class E at 700 versus the 1200 or, you know, even some of those weird ones that have the, the dashed magenta line around it, you know, that's class E at the surface. So I just pull out some of those kind of oddballs, you know, and then, uh, special use airspace as well, whether you have, you know, restricted areas, prohibited areas, um, your MOAs, all that kind of stuff. Just be familiar because the examiner, that's all open book. And I know my examiner loves airspace questions. I can't say that for everybody. I like when I'm, yeah, when I was doing a um, flight reviews, I always like to start somewhat with airspace because mm-hmm. it gives me an idea as to whether they came and actually gave a shit to prepare. It's a good point. Yeah. Because if they don't know, like, and don't ask them, like, what is, at what airspace does RVSM start and stop? Like, nothing <laughs> like that. Or when does class no. E start again above class A? None of those gotchas, but no. I use it just as a barometer as to are they taking this serious or not. Make it something yeah. super, super pertinent. Like, and this may be over the top, but, like, what airspace are we sitting in right now? Just something yes, like that. that. Like, that's kind of I a no-brainer. S- the scenario based stuff. Yeah. I'm like, what are, what airspace are we in right now sitting here on the ground as we're briefing for this flight, you know? And right. Then, and then when does it become the next airspace? E or whatever it is. Exactly. And then yep. what, if this is where we're going to fly today, what airspaces are we going to cover? You yeah. can just, f- until they know the answer, like, then it's like, okay, so you didn't prepare at all. This is a joke to you. And most people, it is a joke. It's like, 
Oh yeah. You're riding on my signature for, for 24 months. I mean, you need to know some stuff. Yeah. Mm, All right. Yeah. I'm going to grab a, I'll grab a beer. We'll start with communications. Um, sounds good. How many more are on the pre-flight <laughs> preparation? We're, we're off that now. Uh, we're down to the number three, the communications. Okay. On the ACS. Three. Oh, you're on the ACS. Uh, I'm still looking at the old far end. We'll do, uh, We'll do yeah, I'm looking at, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out, are we still on I, are we still on, what is this communications you said, Rob? Yeah, the uh, communications of, uh, are you in the ACS right now? No, 61107. Yeah. Okay, so we're in, um, we're on part three, airport and seaplane base operations. Okay, good, that's, that's good news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, we're like halfway through the list I have here, so we may we may break that part three though, if we get because uh, I want to wrap this up by like ten ish. Yeah, that yeah for sure. Twenty more minutes. I'm gonna grab a beer, and then Sounds uh, good. I got a student yeah. at eight. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, on middle baths too. I gotta go get him. All right, I'll throw some. I'll throw some intro. I'll do the the bumper music for a quick break, and then I'll uh-huh. come back with that cool cracking sound that Lee made for me the other day. <laughs> okay. When I edit. All right. Pattern communications. We'll wrap it up with this and we'll continue the rest. Hopefully Mr. Boris at some point. Um, Were you guys doing... Because this can be very different depending on where you trained. Oh yeah. Like if you like if you started a tower, this is non-issue. It's almost like you're just so used to it by then. But if you learned out of non-controlled fields like we did, this, this is one of my like, favorite things to to notice in pilots whether they learned at a controlled or uncontrolled field. Yeah, I mean, if it it's terrifying if you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. I was because you, uh, you train out of an uncontrolled field. Right. Yeah, so How I was super overwhelmed by it when we started flying into towered fields. I'm like, oh, this is, I can't talk to them. This is crazy. You know, and I'm sure people that that's how they learned to fly. It was just, it was not an issue. But you get to see those people come to uncontrolled fields and they're like, Wait, where's that traffic? Where are you at? Oh, what are you doing? Where, where, where are you? <laughs> they're asking a hundred questions. Meanwhile, the rest of us are just flying around, watching the pattern, looking. So, yeah, I mean, I teach out of an uncontrolled field. I learned out of an uncontrolled field. So it was a huge struggle for me to learn how to talk to ATC. And usually for my students as well, but not terrible. I I like to run scripts. I think Lee and I, we talked about it in one episode where I think I used his old script. Like it was saved in the uh, computer at (laughs) the company that I teach at. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So... (laughs) But I no, was yeah. terrified by it and avoided it at all costs. It was not very good at. It. I would say I'm good at it now, but I'm decent at it. So like, yeah, what's the section? The section is um, uh, traffic pattern 61, in. Yeah, sixty-one point one zero seven FAR flight proficiency. This is part B. Uh, uh, three eyes. I don't know how you say that. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I just yeah. So and then but, I'm I'm referring over to the ACS to actually do a breakdown for. Okay, gotcha. All right. That's why I didn't see it. Yeah, uh, I'm pulling. I'm pulling the breakdown out of the ACS, which turned this in, from a one episode thing into a multi part series. <laughs> yeah, but I think the meat is there. I think the I think the listeners will will be appreciative. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the stuff you need for your check ride. So listen up. <laughs> Stick around. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Yeah. Until I was banner towing out of Hollywood. I, yeah. I, that, that's what made me comfortable with dealing with ATC because I was forced to do it every day for months. But before yeah. then, I, I was never comfortable with it before then. Yeah. My very first job was flying for a company out of uh, Page Field down in Fort Myers. <laughs> I had to learn quick. I mean, it was, I had my commercial, I had my multi engine, uh, but I didn't know crap about talking at towered airports. You know, they, so if any of the <laughs> controllers from Page Field are listening or Fort Myers approach, thank you so much for dealing with me. I'm sure you had to be the most patient person because I was terrible for a long time. And oh, yeah, me too. Nature, Hollywood, but. I apologize to you guys as well. You guys gave me that tour of your control tower that one day, which was very nice. And then I ground looped all over your runways, <laughs> went through the grass, almost took out your lights, didn't bother didn't bother taxing in on ground half the time. You had to tell me, you know, we do. I do appreciate that, guys. <laughs> I've never been in trouble for ATC ever. No, no, never made a mistake. Have you ever ground looped a super cub at a control field? <laughs> nope, nope, can't say that I have. <laughs> Just what's, want the panoramic view of the airport. Thank yeah, you. I'll be on you, my way here in a second. Once you do that, I mean, you don't have the option. You just go, you're going clearing the turns. Just tell them it's clearing turns, man. Yeah, there you clearing go. Clearing turn, <laughs> <laughs> ground you clearing gra- turns. You have to get the grass guys to. Put that, fix that rut. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> Just yeah, glad a- you didn't ATC- flip. Right, yeah. ATC is tough. I mean, it's an Achilles heel, I think, for a lot of people. And it's just mm-hmm. such a quickly eroded uh, skill. You know, you, you yeah. and it's, it's a little bit of work, obviously, if you don't do it often. But, um, and that makes people shy away from it. You know, but instead of, you know, kind of running away from it and avoiding it, which would probably be Scott's pr- perspective on it, for, you know, push yourself, you know, to stay yes. engaged with that and keep that skill sharp, you know. And that's one of your requirements. You have to have three full stop takeoffs and landings at a towered field before you can get your private pilot's license. So, so I'm glad I, you're in on this one, <laughs> which so, is not well, enough. <laughs> Which is not, not enough. <laughs> no. Not enough. Especially I got all when one commercial of them, multi and still didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> yeah. Totally. People have gone further than that. What so what is full stop? Is it a stop and go a full stop? Stop I and had go? my students do stop and goes, yeah. That that is, yeah. That's that's what I think stop. too. Yeah. I think we've had discussions on here before that you gotta Did clear the runway. That? Oh no. Pish posh. But we can't <laughs> find, we can't find. Like the, like a full The definition, definition of full stop. FAA, yeah, we did look that, we did look that up one time. Oh, it was a pain, it was a painful, it was a painful exploration. Yeah. Um, I know there was like, not an ICAO, but like some EASA mm-hmm. or some European definition or whatever. And I want to say that was contrary to my opinion, which is stop and go matters. A full stop. So I think about a stop sign. If a cop's going to give me a citation, he's not going to give me a citation for a full stop, which means the vehicle quits moving. Quits forward progress. Right. So I think if I do that on the runway, that's a full stop. It is. Uh, Yeah. I don't need to taxi to the ramp and shut down. You know, (laughs) do a run up for each one. Yeah. (laughs) 
No. And, and you know what? Yeah, you will probably get a little better at talking with them because you have to get those taxiway instructions. I'm just checking the box, man. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, you know, if you're going to go do a lot of hardcore tower stuff, let's do more lessons. But let's meet the requirement if you're not going to do that. Exactly. Yeah, I got I mean, I know that's, 150 who that's probably the only time he's flown into a towered field and the only time he will fly into a towered field. So... Yeah, exactly. uh, I figured why bother? Why, I don't need to stress this too much. I'll get him proficient. He can talk to them and not sound terrible and they can get him through. And And I'm very fortunate too that where we train our students, uh, the, the towered field that I send them to, they know. I mean, also too, let, let them know that you are a student pilot when you get into those situations. They're going to slow down the way they're talking to you. They're going to, you know, already hopefully get a little more patient with you. Ohio's nice. Everybody's pretty kind. I don't know about you guys out east, uh, how that works, <laughs> but I feel like controllers out there all hate their lives. But yeah, yeah. let them know you're a student pilot and that they're going to usually slow down and be more patient with you. Scott's not, Scott's a private. He always <laughs> says he's just, a student still. It, well, another thing, well, you can always too, like, I know some, a lot of times for me, even to this day, you know, we land right away and they just start rattling off taxi instructions. And like when you're at a familiar airport, you just, you rattle it right back off because you know exactly what you're doing already. But when you go to an unfamiliar field and you have all these intersections and hold short of this, cross that, and like you just landed and you're trying to like get your stuff together from that. You know, I tell students, I'm like, ask for a progressive taxi. I, you know, we don't really do that in the professional world, but if I needed to, I would. I would just, I, there's no shame in my game. I just be like, can I get a progressive? Because <laughs> I don't know what you just said, or I need you to repeat that and be ready to write it down right away. But that's kind of hard oh, to do right after you land. I say, oh man, I'm sorry. I I had the whole <laughs> diagram here, perhaps. I spilled my coffee on it. Um, can you just give me turn by turn? Well, yeah, and now, you know, with your four flight or if you have charts in your airplane, you, you have the moving map, which makes it a lot easier. But, oh, I remember struggle busting through it when I was learning. Just like, oh, I don't want to taxi at Toledo. It's so it's so big and scary. It's like, it's Toledo. <laughs> it's yeah. not that not that wild, you know. It's amazing how your perspective changes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. I was proficient and comfortable at Hollywood, if I went over to something like that I wasn't familiar with all the taxiways, I'd mm-hmm. probably still be again like, I don't know clue what's going on. Yeah, there's no shame well, in for a progressive. I mean, totally not. I mean, it's better than making a wrong turn and crossing an active runway oh, or whatever. Absolutely, yeah, you know. And then it's totally different. Remember, these airports are not designed for a little, like a 172 to be taxiing mm-hmm. around. Like, if there's any amount of elevation change, sometimes you can't even see taxi signs coming up. And I yeah. rely on those a lot sometimes to kind of orient myself where I am. Like, if I kind of am, like, questioning, like, if we've just cleared the runway and, like, we can't get a word in with grounds, don't want to taxi the wrong way that they want us to or something, normally I just go and, like, they can figure it out where I end up by the time they get to talking to me. I, a lot of times will let them figure it out. I've gotten, Oh man, I wish I had the JFK, uh, JFK map. I've gotten before they said a word to me ground, they said monitor yeah. ground. And instead of moving, like if you go to O'Hare, you don't stop moving. You never stop moving. That's when they will get right. pissed. If you just keep moving, even if you're going the wrong direction, just don't cross a <laughs> runway and you're good. And so I, like I land at JFK <laughs> and they circles. said, Oh yeah, whatever you got to do, man. Just don't stop anybody else from from moving. And um, I got all the way. I want to say they said monitor ground, 
Yeah. And I just kept taxiing. So I'm just waiting for them to get a hold of me. And I got all the way oh, within, I don't know, a thousand, a thousand feet of like the taxiway for me to turn into the FBO before. <laughs> and it was a long way south yeah. of the airport to the north end of the airport. I got all the way there before they even said a word to me. But that, that, I mean, that's whatever. I just think it's funny. But yeah. I look at signs. I try to look at signs around me to make sure, be you know, sure of where I am. And if you're in a little airplane, there's any elevation change. Sometimes it's hard to see those other signs for you to for kind sure. of triangulate where you are. So that yeah. can I haven't you know I haven't flown little airplanes around a big airport in a long long time. So maybe that'd be easier now because I know more what I'm doing at a big airport, or maybe it's just plain difficult in a little airplane. I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's definitely not designed. It's designed for a guy up in a 737 or an Airbus looking around. That perspective. That's how yeah. these signs are laid out. They're not laid out for, I mean, <laughs> unless it's like, you know, a little class Delta airport or something. But Right. But yeah, you get into these these Bravos and you're just like, yeah. When that's right. one of my students, I mean, he's not even a student anymore. He's got an IFR rating, but we fly together quite a bit. He just likes to stay current. And, um, you know, with COVID happening, a lot of these airports have slowed down. Um, as far as the commercial airline traffic. So he, him and I will will rip over to, uh, Cleveland Hopkins quite a bit. He just wants to get more comfortable with talking to tower, talking to ground, getting all these long taxiway instructions. And, you know, we'll just, we'll land taxi over to Atlantic, do a U-turn at Atlantic and go right back out, you know, and he, he loves that. And I, I love being able to like help him with that and get him confident and comfortable in these class Bravo airports. It's that's a fifty dollar landing fee there, right? I don't know for like a single engine piston. I would hope not, but it might be. I I thought it was fifty because we tell Scott to go in there because this summer <laughs> we're getting Scott set up to where he's going to have everything recorded in his plane. Yes, and he does like, have ADSB, right? Yeah. Any any conversations going on between the two people in the plane? Oh, uh, over the intercom, and then any ATC <laughs> transmissions. What ATC is saying, what he's saying. Keep your it's best all forward be recorded. speed. <laughs> so yeah, all I, I gotta, can hear him going into Hopkins. Yeah, so he's like, oh, I'm not going there for $50 landing fee. I'm like, I will pay the $50 landing fee once we got the audio yeah. set up. Okay. I'll throw down. Yeah. Uh, you, no, you put gotta, it in 25, I'll put in 25. <laughs> yeah, I just got I gotta get the device for the I gotta get the device for his plane. I know the I just gotta order it. I know the one I'm gonna get him already. Yeah. And then get it set up and then I got to get the device where I can add sound bites in and like do it live so I can punch it in and then have mm-hmm. one of those keyed up. This this communication segment we've done, you know, it's this is an ongoing thing. Those are some of our more popular episodes as far as the feedback I get. Really? So we we want to do some more of those. Where we walk nice. through it, but we want I want that live Scott Boris 23 <laughs> 23 Sierra audio in Cleveland. <laughs> That would be so good. No, it needs to be Detroit. Make it something oh, more challenging. Something, yeah, way busier. <laughs> we'll do both. I love it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we can a, start them in Cleveland, you know, get the knock the cobwebs yeah. off. Oh. And then we'll send her to Detroit to really <laughs> put, yes. put a put a fire under his behind. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what the device is called, but it's I got saving up for it now. We're gonna once I get it, I'll be able to punch in audio. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, too, also, we were talking about what traffic pattern was another thing of this, right? 
yeah, that's a couple couple and down. We're pro- I think we're probably going to save that for part three. Okay, gotcha. So this was more communication. Yep, the communication stuff. Um, any anything more on that before we wrap it up? Or? Uh, one thing I will say: please do not say any traffic in the area. Please advise. I don't know if you guys have gone over that. <laughs> I can't remember, but that's one of my biggest pet peeves when you come into an uncontrolled field. And I think there's actually something in the aim that says like, don't do that. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. But look it up for part three. If you I, find will. It. I will. I will. I will say it annoys me, but I will say it's not in the aim. It is. I will say just by omitting that it's not a call. I'm I know for a fact that it's in the aim to say like basically don't say the any traffic in the area. Please advise. I will. This is oh, one fine. Or the other. This is gonna be great. <laughs> we have the podcast about the books. This is something we should we should know. Exactly. We should. I'm not saying we should know it. We don't. It's a, it's a large book, but this is something we need to get to the bottom of. Um, we, we we don't necessarily have to get it into the bottom of it right now. Oh, that's what we, I was most excited to do. Oh, we can leave it as a cliffhanger for next. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Next up. <laughs> Really keep the readers guessing on this one. <laughs> Listeners, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go with it. You got uh, you got anything communication-wise before we put the nail in the communication coffin for now? Uh, along with that, I mean, I would say, you know, there's a lot of things to just spin off what Ryan just said. There are things people add, words people add, and things they do that just are not, you know, final call and all these little things, you know, mm-hmm. turning left downwind runway we know it's a runway. You don't need to tell us it's a runway. Just say left downwind nine, turning yeah. left downwind nine. You know, if you want to be really specific about where you are in the pattern, I'm okay with saying turning. But, you know, and I think and the actual verbiage in the aim is entering. But, you know, whatever. But don't tell us it's a runway. We get that, okay? Right. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff like that. You How know, do you feel and, and, about – oh, sorry. Keep going. Yeah. No, 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 no. That was probably it. That's pretty much okay, it. Okay. One thing is, too, um, it, like the school I learned at – was all about making um, calls on the ground when you're like crossing runways. Um, ah, yes, 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 And then, yes. you know, when I get to my first job at the airport, it was like, eh, you don't really need to say it because I'd rather, and it, this is the point that was given to me, especially by the examiner too. And he's like, I'd rather hear somebody in the air than you crossing a runway on the ground. What are your thoughts on that? So it depends. So, I mean, obviously yeah. we try not to step on each other. Right. That should go without saying. That being said, from knowing, okay, so you're flying a faster jet. It's not, I would I would like to hear. I want a total picture of what's going on around the airport. So somebody right. telling me they're taxiing out and they might be a conflict for me on landing when I'm going a hundred knots faster than everybody else in the pattern. That right. is nice to know. It's not as important as somebody on downwind with me, and I'm trying to find out whether we're going to smoke them or not. Right, but man, it's nice to have an accurate picture. And it helps, I think, crossing – so I, like what you're saying, I think crossing 1836 on the ground, Wood County or whatever it was. Right. Um, I think that maybe not so much. But if you're trying to parallel what you're doing with an air traffic control – and that's another thing we don't do a good job as instructors is we treat our you know VFR or uh, uncontrolled fields – totally separate no try and parallel mm-hmm. what that radio call would be to atc i'm on the ground at the fbo taxiing out to runway 36 well i mean that's 
very similar to what you're going to say to ATC. You change some things. Yeah. But make that, you need a placeholder for that radio call, I think, and try and make it sound as close to what you would say to ATC. And then when you go to a controlled field, it's just another day. You're just saying Mansfield yeah. Tower or Mansfield Ground in front of it before you start talking. And so yeah, that's a good point. I like that. You're already yeah. saying you're already saying poor Clinton traffic, so that's who you're addressing. And now we're just mm-hmm. changing that to Mansfield Ground. Yeah. And you can say the almost the same things and have a great parallel. The only thing you need to be ready is what they're gonna say back to you. You know, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I like the call out, you know, on the on the uh, GA ramp taxiing runway three six for departure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it depends on the scenarios too. You know, in some fields, I'm not calling it. And yeah, other places I will. Just kind of depends on your situations. But I want to say, though, that is in the aim, that radio call. Yes. Though. I think it is. Yeah. To make that, you know, taxing the outbound radio call. Right. So if we're, you know, if, if we, what should we be teaching? Yeah, we want to hear people in the ground that goes us or in the air. We want to, we want to hear that. But yeah. So, and, and so I found it. So if you're at a uh, facility at an airport, so a Unicom, no tower or flight service. So that's mm-hmm. your run of the mill class E, class G airports. Um, on the outbound communica- uh, communication broadcast procedures, before taxing and before taxing on the runway for departure. Those are the two calls they want you to make. So before you move, they want to call. And okay. then before taxing on the runway for departure. And that is the same for a tower, but they do have FSS. Um, blah, blah, blah. FSS closed. It's all the same. And then tower. Yeah, same. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all the same. So that's interesting. And then inbound, 10 miles out, entering downwind. So entering downwind, base and final, and then leaving the runway, which is another one I like. Mm-hmm. Because again, these things simulate. If you're used to calling, you know, Port Clinton traffic, Cessna so and so, ten miles to the east, inbound two seven, Port Clinton. That's going to be very similar to, you know, Lakefront Tower, Cessna so and so. We're ten miles to the east, right. inbound full stop, with information alpha. You're changing a couple things, yes, because they tell you what runway you're landing. You don't say it yourself, and you right. could. It just wouldn't be great technique, but you still could. No. And they're like, okay, but, this guy doesn't fly into tower fields often. Yeah, you saying the ATIS already pretty much tells them you know what where you're going to be landing because that's included in the ATIS information. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, right. Totally. Mm, totally. So yeah. you can, again, I guess I'm just saying you can parallel the two things and make that anxiety about going to a towered field the gradient a lot less. For sure. If we were to look at this, this is page 685. Or um, 4-1-9 in the AIM is all the recommended um, radio calls. Is that it, boys, for communication? That, that's something we're going to do a lot more of in I think general so. communication stuff. It's such a great topic. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's so much. Because, yeah, you can you can pick and choose what you're going to say, and some, some of it's right, some of it's wrong. So, five-star written review time. Uh... Makes my road trips amusing and educational. Great <laughs> podcast. I binge listen to y'all all the time, mostly on my weekly road trips to pick my son up. I'm a private SEL MEL pilot about halfway through my instrument rating and then on to commercial multi. It's nice. a great entertaining way to keep info fresh in my mind, even when I'm not able to sit down and study formally. Greg. Thank you, Greg. That's what Thanks, we're talking Craig. about. 
trying to get it above the rote level. We hope we somehow do that. It's hit or miss on this program. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Eckel has an Instagram. That's his preferred method of communication. If you're on, quote, the gram, as Eckel likes to say and all the cool kids like to say, <laughs> Lee and I are not on the gram. Uh, Lee by choice. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Rob by force. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ryan's Instagram handle is at Ecklr, at E-C-K-E-L-R. Follow him and uh, hit him up in the the DMs, as they say. Yeah, slip into these Uh, DMs. I'm always listening. Yeah, slip into the DMs. That's right. That's the, you got the verbiage. That's what the kids are saying. (laughs) The kids, cool kids are saying, slip into his DMs whenever you feel inspired to. Uh, Email is Lee and I's old school preferred method of communication. Mr. Griffing's email is F-A-R-A-I-M at LeeGriffing.com, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And uh, my email is F-A-R-A-I-M at RobertBerger.com. B-E-R-G-E-R. The German way, not the sandwich way. And uh, yeah, until next... It probably, with the way the coordination of the show goes, part three will probably not be next week. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try to make it next week for you guys, but just the way things work out, it's highly unlikely. But until next, until part three, we uh, we thank you for listening, and we we do intend on continuing on the series. Thanks for listening. Uh, hit us up and let us know what you think of it so far. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, we ready to rumble? Sure, man. I think so. Yeah. I got my favorite truly. <laughs> I put it, it's a mix pack. I put it in my fridge. And then, so I just grab it random. There's a couple flavors I don't like. And there's a couple ones I love. Black cherry is the favorite. And That's in the black cans of truly, right? I got to get those. Sometimes. The, the lemonade yeah. ones. Yeah. Oh, the lemonade ones. Oh, okay. The lemonade ones are the black cans. Are they still that's like. That's the best truly. What's the alcohol content on that? Like five? Uh, is it five? five? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Is that that's lower or higher than beer? That's about that's like right I mean in the it's, that'd be like a high beer, like like an IPA or something, kind of. What is this thing? That's a high light, uh, a high light beer. That yeah. one I just showed you that habitual. I was five point three. Okay. Well, this one weekend vibes is a six point eight. <laughs> what, who's that oh. by? This is by uh, Coronado Brewing. It's got like okay. a little mermaid on it. Yeah. Gotcha. They're pretty good. Huh. It's got a mermaid on the can. You know it's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm at, I'm at 45.2. So. <laughs> a little bit stronger. <laughs> is that a corked bottle of. It stock? is. It is corked. Nice. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you got to hold on. Come oh, on. Oh, so good. Yes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite sounds. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> There's a. Um, I forget what the sound effect is. I saved it. I took the clip with the new software I'm doing. Mm-hmm. 
some some sound you made of opening a bottle a few episodes ago, Lee, was like so perfect <laughs> that I, I I saved it. So in future edits, like when we come back from like grabbing a beer break or something, I'll just have a little tiny like waiting music clip I put in. And then yeah. after that, I'm just going to add this clip in as like. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you must have been had it right by your microphone. It's like. Perfect. perfect. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear yep. it. It's going to be redone like whenever I'll drink we have to a that. beer break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm ready. Whatever. Welcome to this week's episode. I don't know where I was getting this from. From the ACS? Yes, they, that's right. I'm looking through at the uh, FARAM right now. Yeah, but They ACS. break it down more in the ACS. You're right. So the airworthiness requirements. Um, I want to pull that up. Somebody could riff on that if anybody's got anything to add to that. Well, I, I don't even know a section in the 6107 we're under. Are we under pre-flight procedure? Uh, what was it? What was that? Well, you said airworthiness. Requirements? Airworthiness requirements, which I have to assume are under pre-flight procedures or pre-flight preparation. Yeah, it's going to be one of those two. That's, we only covered pre-flight preparation, pre-flight procedures. And well, we got through nothing. This is going to be a 12-part episode. <laughs> oh, I know. So we, Mark it off the rest jo- of the year. Buckle we up. Joke that yeah. The rest of the 2021 season is going to be it's gonna this be a topic long ride. with uh, Mr. Eckel. <laughs> Very long ride. <laughs> I, I, just, I, sent, I sent Eckel a new microphone. Just was like, well, he's going to be around a lot Might here. as well. So. Worthwhile investment. Let's get his audio up. I hope it sounds much better to everybody. I have sounds good. comments. Sounds that, real good. That people have been saying it's much more crisp, you know, than Very. talking through my Apple uh, headphones. <laughs> well, Cochran's Apple headphones, they work amazing. AirPods. They're AirPods, yeah. I was going to get him a mic, and I'm like, you know what? He sounds so good. And then yeah, he sits cool. on a couch when he records, so he's like, the mic wouldn't even work. Right. Well, and then when you move your head and you're going about your whatever it you don't it doesn't matter the microphone's going with it's you. staying completely with you yeah, yeah the whole time that sounds yeah. nice i do have to edit out every drink gulp he took though because it's right there yes the, the, they oh. are pretty where you guys where you guys drink stuff i usually don't have to edit out your track um <laughs> i'm trying to delay while i look this up airworthiness requirements is yeah it's in pre-flight preparation part b of the yeah, acs yeah. table contents okay we covered nothing then oh my god so pre-flight. <laughs> what are you shooting for, Ryan? We'll give Lee um, a chance to stir 